What's up, guys? Quick moment. Just want to say thank you to one of our sponsors, one of our longtime sponsors. This is On It. Let's get right into it. www.onnit.com forward slash Yola or click the link in wherever you're listening to. This link is below in the description or if you're on YouTube, it's right in the comments or in the video description. Prior to the show ever even being thought of, Marty has been using On It for what, a decade? That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. You creep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my shit. Shit. Yeah. That is correct. And you guys already know, Alpha Brain is one of the staples of their company, but it is now in shot form. So brand new, Alpha Brain Instant, Focus Shot, and Black Label. These come in little shots, just like you would see at the store. There's peach, there's tropical, there's a bunch of different flavors, but this is Alpha Brain. This is to make you hyper-focused. I just watched the Rogan show the other day. He says he has never not done a show without Alpha Brain. Remember, www.onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com, forward slash yola so as we always say thank you guys for supporting every time you click that link for on it every time you buy something with our code it really helps us out guys this is this is how we get stuff done the sponsors help us make this show better thank you guys for supporting the brands that support us Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dope As Usual podcast. I am Thomas, Dope As Yola, whatever you want to call me. I'm here with Marty O'Neill. What's up? How you guys doing? This is the Dope As Usual podcast. We're here to talk about life, drugs, problems, accomplishments, and everything in between. Today, we have a very special guest, doctor, TV host, radio personality, and much more, Dr. Drew. Very kind of you to say, but here I am. I'm, I, I was... You, you're not just a doctor. That's why I'm looking at I was trying to think, how am I going to intro him? Well, He's not just a doctor. I think about myself as that first, though. That's, first. All, that's number one. Number one. I mean, it was such, a, it was such, a, it was such a, a long road to get where I got. And then I was deep in it. The, the workaholism around medicine for two decades, really. And I sort of had like almost four careers in one. That's what I've been seeing. Yeah, it's weird. And, and, and it's because I was workaholic. And uh, I just was interested. I just loved everything I was doing. It was just so interesting. And so I ended up in, on one hand going deep into working in a psychiatric hospital and running out departments there. And at the same time, doing general medicine in a hospital and also as an outpatient. Okay. I saw something while you were still in medical school. You started some doing something on the radio called Ask a Surgeon? No. So, yes and no. So, uh, in 1983, I was living... I don't know if you know Pasadena, but K-Rock was in Pasadena. Oh, the radio station. K-Rock was right across the street. From, and, and any any of your, but your age or younger cannot appreciate the power of radio at the time. Oh, I can. Radio was yeah. like... It, you, it's everything. It was everything. You organized your culture around it, your day around it. it. It defined who you were. And at that time, it's 1982, 83, everyone was listening to KLOS, KMET, and the music got super boring. And uh, out of nowhere, K-Rock came out of nowhere. And I was living a block away from K-Rock. Wow. And friends of mine started meeting and socializing with people at K-Rock. And some, one guy called me, goes, hey, they're doing this show in the middle of the night. It's called Loveline. And they want you to come on and do a segment called Ask a Surgeon. They want you to use, use big words. It'll be really funny. Nice. And I was like, why are you call, what the fuck are you, why are you calling me? Why are you calling me? Why are you bothering me with this? And I thought, well, it's interesting. I'm starting to listen to that station. It's kind of cool. It might be an interesting opportunity. And so I agreed to meet with the guys that were doing it and went up there and was blown away 
by the fact that this is where young people were bringing their most important health questions in the middle of the night it was sunday night at midnight to 3 a.m it it was it had been designed because the program director needed a community service show and so the reason they were struggling with what to do with this they needed to turn it into an informational community service show and they go hapinski's in medical school maybe he can talk about something you know wow i know ridiculous but cool but but at the same time uh one anthony fauci was somebody I admire greatly. I was deep in the AIDS pandemic. I was just, I I was telling people they were going to die all day long. That's all I did. And uh, he was telling us, we got to go out and educate. He kept saying, there are going to be 2 million dead. There are going to be 2 million dead. You got to go educate. And I was so stunned when I went into the radio station that night that none of the young people that were calling in, they were calling about all kinds of stuff, but they'd not heard about this what we were just starting to call AIDS because she said 1983. Yeah. They didn't hadn't heard of it and it was, but it was already pandemic at that point. So crazy. So I'm sorry there. I'm being texted like crazy. So it's one of my problems is things rain in on me. No worries. I Uh, figure the doctor life is never nonstop. Still an active doctor. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Take your time. All right. Keep going. So go ahead. What's so you, a fluke came in just to yeah, see fluke. what it was and like. I, and I just thought, hey, can I keep coming back? And I think this is kind of interesting, important. I, I'd come, it was one night a week in the middle of the night. And so if I was on call or something, I didn't go. And you're uh, a practicing medical doctor while no, doing I was this. in, I was finishing medical school and we became a resident. And, oh, um, gotcha. but I, you know, the schedule then was insane. And, um, you know, I'd go in for an hour or two and then I'd leave. And it's it kind of interesting. I'd be interesting people. And, you know, it was just fun. It was different. And I thought I was doing community service. You are. And I did it for 10 years, one night a week. Every week? Not every week. I mean, for, for, well, there's many variations on the theme over that 10-year period. And it was I, I, it was community service. That's what I thought I was doing. I was not paid. It was interesting. It was fun. Um, and uh, it, it uh, for a while, I stopped because my residency director made me. He told me I was something wrong with me. And I was, it was right before Fauci really went public with, doctors have to educate about AIDS and talk about sexual behaviors. And uh, it was like three months before that, he just went off on me and told me, there's something wrong with you. You're going to ruin your career. What, you know, and I was like, I Giving information. Okay. and, uh, and then when Fauci came out and said, you got, all doctors have to get out the, in the media and start talking about this. Uh, two years later, that guy walked into me in the hall and said, Hey, you still doing that radio show? I'd stopped for six months. And then I kind of trickled back because I thought it was important. Um, and he goes, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll take over now. Let me do it. And I was like, are you, like, I, I should, I can't even believe you're saying <laughs> yeah. that. But, you know, whatever. So I ended up teaching medicine. I taught in through, at, at the Keck SC Medical School, I taught through the Department of Medicine. Then I, depart, I taught through the Department of Adolescent Medicine. And then I taught through psychiatry. Uh, so I had three different clinical. Yeah, you are a jack, jack of all trades yeah. as a doctor as itself. It was ridiculous. It was, it was so crazy. Was that your first step into any kind of entertainment, anything? Radio, well, I, community service, I thought I was doing education on radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't want anybody to think I was promoting myself. That's why I never used my last name. I just wanted to do the, just do oh, the thing. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, just, that's a good way to take. That's a good take on that. That was just what that was. I just, and, and it was, you know, it was, it was uh, at the time, <laughs> cutting edge. You can't quite appreciate how extreme that was to be talking to young people about sexual behavior. On a day. major radio station. Oh my God, we're crazy. And uh, so I also would, I didn't want to be called out for it particularly either. I just thought it was important. So yeah, that's how it all started. So Weird. you did Love Line for how long? 35 years. Wow. My Weird. age. Yeah, we're wow. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about it when I was lying in bed this morning, went to bed at like 9.30 last night and got up at 7.30. I thought, 
God, I used to come home every night at 1230 and they get up at 630 for years. And so wow. so many lives that you've directly impacted, though, legitimately. I, I, I don't think of it that way. I, I, I think of it as sort of treating the culture. The culture was it's been so and, and then my little idea at the very beginning was radio had had, had such a negative impact on you know, the whole sex, drugs and rock and roll, man. I, I saw what was happening with the drug addiction. I saw what was happening with AIDS. I'm like. Maybe we can use that same environment to move things in a positive direction. So what a what a direction to go to, though. Yeah. That's amazing. what a what? That's an amazing direction to start going towards. And it's kind of taboo when you're uh, of course. practicing doctor too. Really. To do ra- it was all way out there stuff, but but it just was a strong instinct I had. There was something that was the right thing to do, was a good thing to do, and history. I think is judging it prop well. I don't know who knows. I'm, I'm assuming these days everything that was good is bad. So who knows? It'll turn bad all the yes, time. Yes, yes. There's a, yeah. a generation out there that listened to you for advice. Pre internet, pre internet. Well, they, you didn't have any of that information. Yeah, That's right. And, and I look for. And I was 24 years old, and my sort of weird oh, wow. little notion was, I want to create something that would have helped me when I was 17, 18, 19. Exactly. I, I had to, I, and by the way, the, the show. that's why we did the show. Oh, good. And the, and the information that I had was so easy. It was not like you shouldn't have access to it. It was this bacteria causes gonorrhea. Here's the antibiotic you take for it. Here are the symptoms. And nobody ever discussed that stuff. Mm-hmm. Crazy. You yeah. think it'd be public knowledge at that point. Oh my God. No, it was hidden behind Latin phrases. Call them venereal diseases. And even yeah, something yeah. as simple as vaginal yeast was called moniliasis. And we had all these, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was insane. And it was just, you know, it should have been no different than talking about yeah. sinus discharges or anything of course, else. Yeah. Of course. And, and by the way, that was a novel idea that I felt that way. Mm-hmm. It, it was sort of considered weird and, and yeah. you know, off, off the chain. But to now me. that's actual full-on shows. Well, so you yeah, were the but, first person to really, like you said, talk about taboo things to an audience that had never experienced any but, of but, it. But the, the f- I, I was very clear these things should not be taboo. Mm-hmm. I was yes, very clear. Yes. And that's yeah. what, that's what I mean, motivated me. is in school. It, I well, and it wasn't anything. being done, and I knew. <laughs> sorry, I've, I've still I've had COVID twice, and I still got a little cough left over. Oh, it's man. good times, uh, <laughs> so, but the trust me, Omicron is a lot less of, than the big one than Alpha was or Delta. Um, but I, I uh, what was it? oh yeah, I, I knew what shaped behavior because I was shaping it towards. I was a young person, yeah, and I knew what shaped their behavior, yeah. And I was like, I know this sex education. They're learning the material. They're not changing their behavior. That was the thing. And they now we're making that same mistake with COVID. I can't believe we're doing the same thing we did 40 years ago. In terms of what? You don't change people's health behaviors by telling them what to do, mandating them what to do, shaming them what to do. I mean, think of, we could have shamed people for being sexually active. We could think you think that would have changed it. They would have flipped us off and said, we're do whatever yeah, we want. Exactly. And, and now it, you, what you need, what you have to have is a case. So you, you like love line, a, a call would come in. That was a case. And that case was a relatable source. Somebody, their age, their ethnicity, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And their narrative, they follow then I make sense of the narrative. We point out the consequences of their choices. We use humor. There's music. That's it. I, that's why I got involved with Teen Mom. I knew that would have the same impact, and it did. It's a therapy session also. Uh, no, it absolutely is not. No? The, no. Therapy okay. is... Well, for, the way I'm saying it, I don't information. have It's information. But if it, you're telling somebody, here's your consequences... It's, well, it's, but remember, I want everybody else... To, uh, the, 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 the case... 
they only listen so much, but everybody listening, they learn a lot. They it gets through yes. to them because we oh, do it yes, over exactly, and over and over exactly. again. People people don't change by pointing out much of anything intellectual to them. They 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 have to come to it themselves. And I, I'm sure I was a piece of helping them come to their realizations, whatever they might be as they grow up. But but I have no illusions that therapy is never about telling people what to do, ever. Oh, okay, ever. Just hearing them out mostly. It's getting them to the point where they have insight into what they've done and internally want to motivate change. And and you just keep guiding them towards it takes forever. It takes a long time. But that's how real change occurs. That's to come from inside. You don't you don't go, you need to take your penicillin and start wearing a condom. Yeah. It's not an intervention style thing. There, that doesn't ever work. It just doesn't work. Interventions. Interventions are interventions are very simple. Interventions are Come with us and get some treatment, or we can't be in your life anymore. That's what we did to my dad. It worked immediately. Yeah, that's we didn't what sit you sit there do. and point our fingers at him. No, no, you just tell him yeah. we love you, but we can't be part of this because we're watching you die. That's, that's exactly what we did, and yeah. he straightened up. Yeah. Went to rehab that's intervention. That's intervention. But this idea is like, don't you see the heroin is killing your tri- family? Yeah, they know the heroin sucks. They have to do it. That's the <laughs> disease. That's illness. So you mentioned something about Teen Mom. I yeah. did not know. I've never watched the show. Mm. I just know what you're writing our demo. <laughs> Oh, was that? You're, no, you're not in our demo at all, so I'm not surprised. No, well, the so. reason I bring it up is uh, Merced, where I'm from, mm. uh, for two years in a row, we were the number one teen pregnancy mm-hmm. uh, population in the country. Wow. Uh, along with STDs under 25. Fabulous. Congratulations. <laughs> I, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I've, I've seen, I'm one of my only friends in my entire generation who doesn't have a child. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, when I was 21, my family said, you don't have a kid yet? Mm. Like, oh, no, I don't have a kid. I have a, a goals in my life, and, and I couldn't have raised a. I couldn't have raised a lizard at twenty one. No, seriously, there's, there's no, no way. way. Yeah, there's oh, no way. No. I could barely I, do it at thirty. That's how I. Yeah. I just turned thirty two, yeah. so I'm Good thinking I have so many things I need to do. Yeah. It's not that I don't want a child. It's just I got to be there for everything. Yeah, I don't want to be. I'll see you tonight after work. Yeah, I'll see you ten. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll play tomorrow. Because my parents were not there mm-hmm. whatsoever. So when it comes to Teen Mom, what made you? Th- hop in and want to get involved with well that. they asked me to host those reunions which are really just interviews of what their lives are all about i mean i'm not involved in producing it i'm not involved in anything but i heard the premise which is you record people's choices and you make sense of them it's love line it's the same thing and so <laughs> I, I thought this will impact teen pregnancy i know it absolutely will. 100 percent. and now they have two academic studies that show the higher the viewership of, of teen mom 16 and pregnant the lower the pregnancy rates really yep Two studies. It's very clear. Well, you could see your mistakes that you're about to make. Exactly. <laughs> it's a, they, they really don't know until they see their peers struggling. And, you know, babies are no BS. They're, they're impossible. And they, oh, they, to them, it's this magical, loving bundle of joy. No. And so they see it and see it and see it. And we, we tell the stories over and over again. And guess what? They're always the same, which is impossible. The relationships don't last. Their lives are... are overwhelmingly distorted by the this choice and, and now i'm so proud of many of these girls who i've now been with for 11 and 12 years they're starting to say uh when they're they're coaching some of the younger girls coming up and they're saying hey i i was really i have issues i was sick and i've had therapy i'm a lot better you need to do the same thing i mean so, there are children having children that aren't developed yet what do you expect? Well, not only that, in, in many situations, ha- having a pregnancy during teen years is a symptom of something else. It, it's like other adolescents don't manifest with the usual symptomatology of adulthood. Like when they when they get depressions or major psychiatric illness, they change their attire. 
they turn their fingernails black. They tat themselves up. They change Teenage their angst. T- change their person, their whom they're hanging out with. They change their sleep patterns. Change their appetite patterns. They get pregnant. They get STDs. They have oh. unwanted, uh, all kinds of unwanted outcomes you know, around drugs and alcohol. All that. Those are all symptoms of mental Ill, mental psychiatric pathology. So they don't know how to. I don't formulate. want to say major mental illness. No, they're, 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 were traumatized. Oftentimes they were abandoned. They're dysregulated. They're trying to solve the problems of how they feel. And the culture doesn't help them solve it health in a healthy way. And the things they use, drugs, truancy, sex, make things worse. I, I, I get that. I wanted to bring something up. Marty told me you need to bring that up. Okay. When we start talking. Um, Marty, this is your fault, whatever comes next. <laughs> I, uh, my mom had me at 18, my sister at 16, my dad was a year older. There, there, listen, I don't want to be insensitive to, there are cultural, that's why I said it's, oh, it's often yeah. often the case, not necessarily the case, because there are cultural issues as well. That, well, the reason yeah. I, I, I wanted to bring it up is um, seeing my mom struggle made, mm-hmm. me, made me 100% celibate as a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be with any girl. I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in high school. I talk to girls, and yeah. when it gets to that point, I go, oh, no, no, yeah. no, thank you, yeah, because yeah. you're going to get pregnant, and I'm going to be in the same exact situation yeah, as my you mom. Be a, good for you. So that, that was the thing, but they were both drug addicts <laughs> when I was growing up. Yeah, um, Everything was really bad. Yeah. My dad was never around, mm. and then, oddly enough, my mom is a Mexican, well, Jewish Mexican lady, but I was raised by a white supremacist. My mom married oh, wow. a bona fide Oh, my God, that's white, such an interesting yeah. combo. I know, we Woo. never really think about it, and I'm brown and don't speak Spanish in a Spanish town. So it was very hard for me to grow up. Oh my God! You know what I'm saying? He wanted. Let, like, let me make sure I up. heard you right. Jewish Mexican American mom. Yes. White skinhead supremacist. White real white supremacist. One hundred percent. Like a real deal. In Nazi all the time. We go visit. How does he explain the mom? <laughs> my mom looks white, but still she's she Jewish. Looks white. My grandma issue hated it. My oh. grandma hated it. And your grandma was Mexican. Completely Jew, like one hundred percent Jewish, Polish oh my God, from so the East Coast. Fascinating, it, when dude. We, when you're like a cultural. Weird, but, but like a, like a, this this. Uh, it's like they three shows them? mixed together. W- w- uh, a unicorn, you're this cultural <laughs> right, unicorn. Right. But but the thing is, the reason I bring it up, I see all, my town is terrible. Yeah, I see yeah. all this stuff. I stayed out of gangs. Yeah, all the bad did never made me want to be involved. Mm. Is that because I was telling Marty, am I a one in a million? Because I should be fucked. Count the, your blessings. The real conundrum right? in it is his mom ruled with an iron fist, though. Oh, and he was scared. In a good way? In a no, great way. Because there's I, good I ways and bad way. ways. I think, well, that. she'd punch me in the face. In a physical That's a bad way. way. <laughs> but it kept me out of gangs in well, a predominantly gang town. Yeah. So you're you're a living, breathing example of resiliency. That that trauma, I don't know, you know, we don't know enough well enough to really know what's really going on inside, but trauma usually really derails people. And physical abuse is trauma, particularly at the hands of the people that are supposed to be helping you develop your emotional landscape. It can it it can essentially causes you to exit the frame of closeness that you need to be in to develop an emotional system. Mm. You don't strike me as having had that happen. Uh, you might have a little bit of that, of course. You were traumatized. Well, but the thing I, I never let it affect me because I'm like, oh yeah, she beat the shit out of me. When I'm 18, I am fucking out of here. That's yeah, how yeah. I thought. Well, that's how that's how kids think when they're being abused. They think they they leave permanently. the The good news is you didn't leave right then. Which is what most kids do. Yeah, Yeah. I could. I mean, I also was 4.0 student, played captain of my football team. So do you have siblings? Yes, but okay. she beat the shit out of me. Okay, so in <laughs> the sisters, <laughs> my sister should fuck me up a lot. Yeah, so in families like that, there's usually a savior who's perfect, 
and then a scapegoat. So I'm guessing your sister was a bit of the scapegoat. That's why she hated me, but she was also the only one doing bad shit. I know, but this, these, this is how this goes in families. You said like it this. completely perfect. That's exactly yeah. what the situation. Yeah, was. You're, there's the perfect hero. You know, it has different versions, but it's sort of hero, perfect, whatever. You you survive that way. She survives by acting out pathologically. That's cr- yeah, because my sister's been to some psychiatric places, I'm stuff sure. like that. I'm sure, but that's the was, more normal that, that, in the sense of statistically. That's the more usual way that this goes really i thought it was just a one in a million you, you, no 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 the way your sister went you're oh, you're okay. the unusual okay okay and and so in your case what'll happen is it'll start affecting your relationships you'll start getting involved with people that are like mm. i've only had one girlfriend i'm gonna marry when we just got engaged I, I always saw it as i can't get pregnant i can't have a kid with somebody i don't want to spend the rest of my life with well but what really is going on is intimacy is a dangerous place because your mom and uh, if you were able to bridge that and be intimate with somebody who's actually available for intimacy. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. You thank did you. it. Because yep. I always look at it as I don't ever want to be involved in what they had to go through. I get it. I or get put it. my see, kid through that. But it, what's, what the perspective <coughs> that you seems like you had. We got my COVID cough here. Sorry about that. It's all good. Uh, the perspective that you had was able to, you, it seems like, it, for some reason you were able to see your parents as humans who were flawed not kids. not horrible monsters who were you know screwing. Oh over. yeah, no, I knew my yeah. mom was just was sixteen and stuck. Yeah, it's unusual to have that perspective. It's well, unusual to be able to take that because any kid, you're so in it. You know, it's just. Awful. Well, I've always said I've I've had the same mind since I was a little little kid. So nothing <laughs> has changed that. <coughs> which is what? Aid which is of <clears throat> wanting to do the best I possibly can. I don't really have the. Uh, my mom used to beat me. I'm gonna do these because I did do drugs my whole life. I was sold drugs until. I was 24, 25. Ah, you left that part out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to sell hundreds of pounds of weed. I used to Ooh, do a lot dude. of coke and a lot of ecstasy. I mean, that was my, I'm from Merced. It's a drug How town. did you not get strung out or did you? Well, what happened was I was doing coke every single day. Uh-huh. And then when I realized, like, I'm waiting for the blood to stop so I can keep going. Yeah. Um, and I saw my dad doing crank my whole life. My mom doing meth. I just thought. All his childhood friends are strung out. Every, almost all of them. So, so it doesn't seem like you got the genetic potential for this. In other words, you had something that made it good, made you made you like it. But, oh, I love but, it. But, it's just bad for my... I always say... Yeah, I but wanna... Addiction is when you can't stop. Addic- addicts can't stop, no matter how no, bad no, it gets no, for them. No, yeah, you don't have way. that. Because I'd rather do good than be fucked up. It's but I also like getting fucked up when I was a kid. Are you completely abstinent now, or are you? Oh, I just smoke weed and do mushrooms. You got to be careful. Because oh. if you have that gene, it'll it'll keep it'll resurrect and it'll oh, start to build. Like, I, I just love. I used to love. Co- I used to a lot of. Co- I know, but I, I love so. it is not a normal relationship with it. If it saying. wasn't bad for me, if it wasn't, I'm bad just saying. For me, I, I it. love it. It's hard to undo that. You know okay. what I mean? Well, it's I love Except it. I stop it. it. It's like I love sugar too, and I have to be really careful with that. Yeah, no, I don't touch coke yeah. at all because it's. That, it's just like really inspired by Chris Farley. Basically, that's it. I just don't want to pull like the fat guy. Like, yeah, you're doing great. Don't do the weed, which which is of course, far better, will start to escalate it someday. You got to be really careful. Really? You got to be, it's just like, if, if you have it, I don't know if you have this genetic thing. I mean, I probably you're, you're, a quarter pound a week and I, it's all I do is smoke weed and work. I, I, I get it. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, trying, not saying, I'm trying to wrap my head around like, it's just that if it's going to evolve, the, if you have the gene for addiction, which I don't know that you do. Oh, if I have, if you that, have it, it's, 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 it, it, addiction this is the part that people miss about addiction. It progresses always. It, even if you get it under control for a while, it'll progress later. And the progressive Pete is what you have to watch out for. My dad has that bad. He stopped yeah. doing meth. 
picked up drinking. Yeah. Because he's well, like, that's crossing over. Anymore. That's crossing over. It's a little different, but but even though he crosses over to alcohol, the alcohol will keep getting worse. Oh, it got bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When we did the intervention for drugs, it turned yeah. into alcohol. But is he like, in the program now? My dad's been clean. But no. I mean, in the program, is he working a stat, twelve step stuff? Oh, he did that like twelve years ago. So probably. he's off of that now. He's yeah, not he doesn't drink at all. He's completely straight edge now, which is unreal to me. Because yeah. you know, my whole is life he going he, to meetings. Um. No, he just. You might ask him about that. So why doesn't go to meetings and stuff? I mean, my dad's a truck driver. He constantly works, and I have three no, younger siblings. So he's like the dad. Take him to soccer practice. Go on to their school. I get stuff. it. I get it. So That's he good. has like a purpose. I feel now. Just ask, ask him. About, ask him about, about meetings. I used Dude. to go to his meetings, like with his uh, stand up. I'm yeah, addicted yeah. to this. Yeah, but I'm wondering how he gets by without doing it now. Does he have a therapist or something? Or he's Mexican. He doesn't have a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> It's just the truest <laughs> shit. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen a doctor besides the clinic, besides right now. Me you and know. me. Yep. <laughs> oh, so I've never been, <laughs> I've been to the free clinic as a kid. Uh, well, get yourself some health insurance. That's all oh, I'm yeah. Saying. That that I have now. Okay. But um, I just wanted to ask because yeah. when Marty's like, you, you got to talk to him about your life. I, mean, I just wanted to, okay. I've never asked anybody. Go ahead. Because I just want to know. Like, So it's an anomaly, basically. Like it, that, it, I it, come yes. out fucked up. Yes, you're an anomaly. Okay, yeah. I just want to and do that. Good. You have a super healthy relationship and don't have kids and are a business owner. So you can attest yeah. to the relationship. Oh, it's yeah. oh, Rosie, yeah. we're best friends. Good. She's my best friend of all time. I hang out with her f- over everybody. Are life. you passionate about her? You're like, she's the coolest okay. person ever. Right. Yeah, she's good. awesome. Right. Yeah. But the, uh, I wanted to bring something else up. We get, we were supposed to do a, an a episode a couple weeks ago or about a month ago. Y- you and, and I? Yeah, with your manager, but the schedules got crossed. We were really excited for you to come in. I'm going to talk about Marty because Marty's had a really bad relationship with his mom. His dad, take it away. You, you, you talk. You know, it was just ironic because, yeah, my mom was like going through a lot of medical stuff that I was stemmed from a lot of psychological stuff yeah. that we did a whole episode on and she ended up passing last month. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, we were going to like, we were like, Dr. Drew, we got to talk to your mom. <laughs> How are you going to help him? Because his relationship with his mom is torn. What did she die of? It's still up for debate. You know, it was it was something where she had a bunch of symptoms she they could couldn't identify, and mm-hmm. she was in the hospital. She had like diabetes. She had a bunch of kind of like not taking care of yourself. She was depressed. She had a lot of that going on. How old was she? Sixty five. Was she obese? Yeah. Was she able to move about? Was she or just like not towards the end so much? She started getting all these. See, the thing was, we had this stupid falling out. When she was up here, she went back to Texas, but she had COVID. And then when she went back, she got vaccinated after having COVID. And then maybe three, four months later, she just started having all these crazy symptoms, like wow. unexplainable, like her legs giving out and just like wow. diarrhea and just, oh it just goodness. cycled and spiraled until eventually she passed. Oh, I'm so sorry. That that does not sound psychiatric. That sounds medical. Well, it was very medical. I think I, it started as psychiatric in terms of like she was going through a deep depression. Still, the, the only thing I will ask, the only thing psychiatric I would ask about is whenever I'm evaluating a medical case and I'm like, well, what the hell? I, I, I Oftentimes I find drugs and alcohol were actually part of the story. Mm-hmm. Is that any part of the story? I don't think so. Yeah. Straight edge. Yeah. I don't think so. It doesn't sound like it, actually. So no, it was, have, it was, it was like <laughs> grief from losing my dad, and it just spiraled into like a depression that for the past 10 years, and then it just like, she just kind of gave up, and then these symptoms just like over. 
But Mar- you have to explain. Marty is one of the Marty was one of the spiritual ladies that believes she can speak to the dead with stones and goes. She's to very forest. holistic, and she's she believed that anything can be cured with me. Was she following up with her doctors properly, or no? She no. wasn't. She, she wasn't do, helping herself. Oh, was, we we're going through that whole struggle of me convincing her. Like, oh God, who knows what this was then? I mean, there's so many things. That's why that I didn't be. want to get too in the weeds with it because yeah. a lot of it's really unknown. But the real question was is that I, in my heart, feel like it was a complication from the vaccine. Well, I, I'm not going to pretend there aren't complications of the vaccine. I'm very pro-vaccine. I've had the vaccine. You had the vaccine? No. No. I, I've had COVID uh, twice, but I've had, I had J, J&J. My family's mostly all triple vaccinated. I recommend it to patients. Uh, I will tell you for sure there's a giant difference with Omicron in people who have been vaccinated and particularly triple vaccinated versus not. I've seen Omicron kick, kick the crap out of people really? that are not vaccinated. It is milder. It's a cold. If you've been triple vaccinated, it really is milder. Somebody like me, I have natural immunity, then one J&J, and then Omicron that's, got me. That's and interesting. It, so the vaccination makes it less, it can make it less impactful. That's its main, that's its main, that's what the vaccination's main job is. Boost your immune system against it so it can fight it off when See, you get it. I didn't it. understand that. Yeah, yeah. Not the idea is not explained. to die, not to go in the hospital. That's yeah. the idea of everything we're doing with with the uh, coronavirus. Uh, having said that, yeah, the shit goes down with everything we do as doctors. Of course, we, these are we're, we're, this is desperate times, and so we're taking aggressive measures mm-hmm. to keep people from dying, keep them out of the hospital. So I, I do believe strongly that every individual should make his or her choice with their doctor right? There will be no doctors, very rare doctors, telling a 72-year-old with obesity and diabetes not to get vaccinated. I mean, that you get, get vaccinated, but a, you or a 19-year-old, or I, we got to talk about that. We sit and think about the risk and benefits and how you feel about it. And like, like we do everything in medicine. And now we have Paxlovid and now we have Molnupiravir, but we can't get it because the government is so fucking incompetent at distributing. It's a scandal, but you can't get it. Actually, somebody got it outside of Merced, interestingly. Uh, he, really? He, sort of in that area. How far from Sacramento is Merced? Uh, hour and 40. Yeah, I think it was near Merced. Where a friend, I, I had a, a guy I know that had to get it for his mother-in-law. He heard me talking about it. It really works. Amazing drug. But he also heard me saying it's scandalous. You can't get it. So he searched far and wide. I was able to find it in a pharmacy outside of Sacramento an hour. So what is this drug? Uh, it's, in th- it's a triple antiviral. It really works. And again, oh, really? if you got sick with COVID, I'm not sure I'd give it to you because it's not worth the risk. All medication has risk. All vaccine has risk. Back to your concerns. And the the, the weird reactions I've seen have been weird. I've seen some weird reactions to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really brushed me it, off. It like does that. worry me. It does, and, and I would say, I've seen long haul. I, I have a friend of mine that's got long haul COVID from, COVID, from, uh, from vaccine weakness and shortness of breath and diarrhea and so in your mom who was already sort of marginal if she were to get a syndrome like that maybe that was enough to kind of push her over i don't know yeah that's what that, it seemed like well that's one of the things it occurs to me but there's 30 other things that could yeah. be. let's be fair yeah. she could have had c difficile she could have a neurological problem i mean she just got it did not get a proper evaluation yeah, yeah. i mean I, I it would have spent me personally evaluating a case like that would have taken a week in the hospital, you know, we, we, we would have been doing spinal taps and MRs Ooh. and MRAs and we, we would have been doing everything. Uh, and doesn't sound like she got any of that. Yeah. Which is sad, sad. And, and I don't know that there's anything could have been done. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it, I agree with you. It's the combination of medicine and psychiatry, which is always rough, mm-hmm. you know, but the medicine part is where it sounds like it didn't go well. No. And I, I always like, I always knew she needed, she needed therapy from the time she was a kid. Then she needed another layer of therapy from like <laughs> my dad dying and stuff. We went through, he fought cancer for 10 years, oh. but I just knew like, 
Without that, and she wouldn't do it. That was the problem. She would not. She would. It's the craziest thing to me when people won't take advantage of mental health services. Let me just, for your sake of you and your audience, mental health services work. They pay dividends every time. You don't have to get deep in. And a lot of people are fearful that somehow something unpleasant is going to be uncovered or revivified. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. The way it works is a good therapist, and I dare say anybody licensed, is going to walk you into stuff you can tolerate. You don't want to overwhelm somebody. You want to give them dosing that they can tolerate and make you able to manage and regulate these things as you walk into them. That's it. And sometimes it takes some medication. And for a while, if you have medication, great, it works, it helps. That's it. Pretty simple. Your brain gets sick just like everything else. Perfect. Mm-hmm. We have our, our, one of our things for the audience is speaking, talking, because we have a lot of people reach out to yeah. us about mental health. It's so, so that, common, especially now with COVID, we destroyed people, especially young people. Staying in. Oh, I'm, Holy I couldn't crap. imagine being 16, oh, not being able to see anybody that Eight ever to 15 to year olds were just, oh, what we've done to them. I'm so angry at this whole thing. I saw it coming, guys. I, I didn't see, I, I missed how contagious this thing is. And, and I missed how, you know, the cytokine storm thing. I, I didn't get that at the beginning, but I saw the panic that the press was trying to cause and ultimately did. And I knew the panic would have terrible effects. And here we are. There we are. So we had bad enough, this super contagious thing with lots of horrible side, horrible consequences. And then the panic on top. Panic never makes things better. Ever, never. ever, ever. I just kept saying, just don't listen to these people. Don't listen to the press. Listen to Fauci. Listen to, and I've been, like I said, I've been dealing with Fauci since 1983. Listen to Fauci. Listen to the CDC. But then... Everything got crazy. Yeah, Everything got crazy. We, we've talked about it before. I can't watch the news because I watch one news station. They tell me something, and the next one is completely contradicting. It's it's, it's awful. Yeah, I don't. I, and I, I stay purple like me. Stay in the middle. Just stay, stay reasonable. Yeah, all just, all the extremes are extremes are never like. good. Panic is never so good. Happy to hear that stay. from him right now. Yeah. Stay, that's how I try to stay. Just stay. Yeah. Just keep using your mind. Don't don't get sucked into the propaganda on either end. It's just so, so bad. Do you feel like even at this point, two years into this, do we have like an effective pandemic response if this were to happen again at all? The answer, that is a fantastically complex question. My, to, to distill it down to a simple answer, absolutely not. It's terrifying. And until we really, really get honest about what went wrong here, we're not going to have a good one. We could. Yeah. We could. And if we learn from this, we could. And I hope we will. Right now, we do not. If, if another wave, I don't, I don't want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to go back to normal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. I want my life back. Yeah, I just I want, want to be able to see my and, and grandpa here's, and not worry. Yeah, here's the thing. This is... This is the stuff that made me so upset at the very beginning. They're like, oh, you don't you don't want to make money and work. So it's greed is more. But no, I want to be around people. I love people. I want to be near people. I want to engage with people. I want to push society forward in a positive way. That requires us all being in the same room yeah. some of the time. It just does. And the, the fact that people were didn't understand that that's the... I mean, what, what do we... I'm all, all right. You've got me going here, guys. This, this, <laughs> I, my thing is human thriving. I like humans to thrive, right? I like them to be... To, to every day get up and be excited about their life and their contribution and what they're doing in the world and their relationships and, and their recreation and you know, all the things yeah. that, and it, that thriving. That's why when in addiction, I'm not interested in look uh, harm avoidance and medication management, all that stuff. It's good. Help saves lives. I'm not interested in it. I'm interested in creating people like your dad, taking them from 
really a problem to better than they ever knew they could be. That's, that's the best in, thing that's, ever. I, when I saw that happen, I was in the psychiatric hospital working. I was doing just medicine in there. And I saw this happen to some people. I'm like, what is that? How did that happen? This woman was dying and now she's amazing. What, how did that... What I, I was just bewildered by it, and I became fascinated by it, and that's how I got involved in treating addictions. Really? Th yeah. that, that was actually my next question for what I've seen, mainly like Marty was telling me. I remember VH1. I remember yeah. Celebrity Rehab. Yeah. I used to watch that with yeah. my grandma and grandpa. I remember that show. Yeah. Is that m something you're more passionate about than you, you said just medicine? It's, it's about fixing people or trying to fix them to um, where they can live their life. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm interested in making a difference. Uh, you know, in medicine, you're often going from like really sick to chronically ill <laughs> and, and that's okay. Uh, and, and, you know, old, very old people are what need to see internists like me. And, and I love them and I love helping them, but, but you're not making a young person go from losing their life. They're dying to being amazing. That's like, holy crap, yeah. where do you get to do that? that that's kind of thrilling to me. That's now, how every doctor should think, I feel. Well, but, I, but, I, I'm not, but I'm not, I, look, I like treating schistosomiasis and interesting medical illnesses and the leukemias and things. I, I like all that, and, and I like helping people through that. Uh, it, it's, look, I, and like when it comes to like, I'm a prost I have prostate cancer, right? And Currently? I, well, yeah. 12 years ago, I had a prostatectomy, and uh, my surgeon, I don't want him doing anything else except that surgery. I want him doing that surgery three times a day and not thinking about anything else, not counseling anybody on nutrition, mm -hmm. not thinking about health maintenance. I want him doing that surgery and not having complications from taking people's prostate out. When he, when I sat down with him, I was like, well, what's, you know, what's the deal? How much, what's your complication rate? He goes, well, I've done 1100 and uh, thus far zero. I went, okay, wow. let's, go, let's go. Let's keep doing that. <laughs> Just keep doing that. And which he has. Um, That's amazing. And uh, yeah, that was 12 years ago. Wow. Wow. So do you just, a super health nut about this? How do you keep things regulated? <laughs> so when you lose your pride, you want to get into it? Yeah. Except when you lose Here your pride. So, all right. So I have prostate cancer in my family. My dad had it. My uncle had it. They both had it in their 70s. So I figured it, it does run in families like that. And I figured, eh, I'm going to get it. But in your 70s, you treat it very differently. You treat it with radiation and implants and other things. Uh, when I got it at 50, I was like, God, are you kidding me? At 50, oh. I'm getting this thing. It's like, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But okay, I got it. And I went out what's called active surveillance. You don't have to, it's a very slow tumor. So you don't have to get it out right away. So I was surveyed for years. And, uh, and then when the thing started growing, they're like, okay, now you got to get it out. So like two years of surveillance, out, fine. Took it out. Um, you don't produce semen anymore. But yeah, that's your prostate is what produces semen. All of it. That's it. So when you take your prostate, you don't produce semen anymore. But everything else, God willing, if the surgeon goes right, surgery goes right, completely normal. Everything completely normal. And so other than no mess, I, I am, have no other effects from it. Now, I had a little recurrence uh, six months ago. I had to have some radiation during the summer. And that's sort of typical for this kind of thing. So That's all the wow. prostate does. It's a, in a, well, it does a lot of stuff. It produces, it produces the semen so the sperm can be dripped into it so it has a vehicle to get it in. It just seems so deadly it, like when you hear about oh, it. Oh, prostate cancer? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's an adeno, it's an ad, it's a gland. And glands, when they get cancerous, which they often do, it can be problematic. If, you, if you're going to get a cancer, get prostate cancer. <laughs> it's not pancreatic cancer. Do not confuse the two. Pancreatic cancer is, gotcha. is yeah, curtains. No, that, I'm sorry. Pancreas is curtains. Yeah, that's, that's curtains. Yeah, yeah. Really? The prostate is, you can live with it for decades. Look, I'm 12 years in, I have nothing. Yeah. And um, 
but anyway, back to what the prostate does. It's an, also an immune organ. It, it prevents stuff from getting, it cleans, cleans your urethra, lubricates your urethra, sends, you know, keeps shit from getting further up into your, mm-hmm. your genital tract from your urethra. So there you wow. Go. I Dropping have no idea. Here, Man, yeah. I went through school and they never taught me any of that. About the prostate. <laughs> Where does colon cancer fall in all this? That's what my dad had. <laughs> colon is very common. Um, no one should have that. You should be getting colonoscopies. Now they're saying every year after 40 or every three to three to seven years, I beg your pardon. Uh, and it's just, you just get them. And, the, and what, polyps occur in the colon and they turn into cancers. And what you do is you have a colonoscopy and you pull out the polyps before they become cancerous, much like a skin cancer or something. So it's avoidable. A hundred percent. No one should be getting colon cancer in this country. You should be getting your colonoscopies. How every long have year. we known that? We've been doing it over 50, at over the age of 50 for the last 20 years, 30 years. So, But there's another thing, you're, so for older folks out there, let me give a little piece of advice. You can do, there's a, there, you can do genetic testing. There's a, a really good service that I use called color.com, C-O-L-O-R.com. Uh, just a cheek swab and you, you get your genetic profile that screens for some of the more common DNA repair abnormalities in other words your dna is always replicating and repairing itself and some people have less efficient particularly jews less efficient ways of repairing the dna and sometimes that repair mechanism makes a mistake and that becomes a cancer and Uh i have something called lynch syndrome it turned out and lynch predisposes to colon cancer my dad had polyps my uncle had polyps my uncle had stomach cancer part of the deal too so now i have to get an upper and lower endoscopy Every freaking year. So do my sons. They have the same thing. Really? They started them in their 20s. Based on the report you got. Based on this genetic report, yeah. And had it, did we not have this genetic testing, I would have known. To, I'd be still on a three to five year schedule. But I'm on an every year schedule. Oh. I got to have one in a couple of weeks. I'm I heard you. So, so I colon cancer it. isn't hereditary then. It is. That's what I'm saying. But it, it is. The polyps are. The whole thing is. Gotcha. The polyps are the precursor to the cancer. And it's all has a genetic component to it it's not necessarily genetic but it has a genetic so like you should definitely be getting cold yeah, so what we're saying is you got to go to the doctor yeah. well yeah. you're 40 yeah, no. yeah 40s when they just lowered it down to i think 40 so but you could talk i had my first one in my 30s because i had a hunch there was too much cancer in my family and so i had my first one in my 30s and so that's now you and you could do the color thing it's only 200 bucks yeah and it's it's ridiculous that would have been twenty thousand dollars five years oh. ago you know it's 20 bucks or 200 bucks mm. rather and it, you'll know if you have any of these there's about 30 of the more common uh mm. risk risk for cancer BRCA. you heard of BRCA gene for breast cancer brca BRCA one BRCA two dude your your that. educational system is just has failed yeah. you guys. Yeah. <laughs> if I was yeah, your grandma's that. Jewish, she yeah, must be rolling over. Nah, <laughs> she wasn't on. She was watching the prices right the whole time. <laughs> 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 yeah. Or like I said, the VH1 show, we used to watch Liberty Rehab with my grandma Dolores. Yeah, that was that show did what I, that was another show that I knew would have a positive impact because it's again it's cases cases showing what really happens to people and it's people in spotlights that are put on under pressure that well, we can't even imagine. Well, nah, no, no, nah. but really? but it, but it's but it's a again a more more it's a hook. It makes you watch because oh, I know that guy from Greece. Oh, I'm talking about like, the actual people themselves. Do the, they the is celebrities? It, is it being a celebrity is not a stressful thing? Don't don't believe that shit. Okay. I mean, if you're Justin Bieber or something, it's a different thing. But if you're just a, like. You know, somebody in the public, me, people come up to you. They're nice. You get a better place in the restaurant. That's it. <laughs> That's yeah. it. That's it. If you like people, it's an advantage because people mm-hmm. interact with you a little more, which I love people. So great. Yeah. That's it. So dealing with these celebrities, it's just 
addiction. Well, it's not celebrities with addiction. It's all the same. All the same. The, gotcha. the only thing that was different about them, uh, well, two things are different about them. Because they often make a lot of money <laughs> doing their stuff as a celebrity, and they like it, they love it, they're gratified by it, they typically go back to work too soon. So going back to work too soon risks their re recovery. And that's musicians, comedians, uh, all of them. That's the big problem. And then the other thing is they all develop a pseudo self for the media. In other words, like a front, like not one person had used their real name. They all had oh, pseudo names and, gotcha. and who they really were, were a little different than what they presented on TV. And what was interesting for me is I don't use my real name, you know, that, but I don't, but I feel like I'm myself in all these environments, but maybe I'm not, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I, I don't know what it is that makes people do that. I think it, you know, I, I discussed it with them. I'd bring it up with people and they'd all kind of say, well, I'll play a character. And I, you know, that's what I get to my success. But I think it's also a, a fear of vulnerability of being them real, their real self in out in public. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Well, social uh, media these days, you can, I mean, with certain then, platforms. Oh, you I got to tell you a story. I got to tell you a story. I'm dying to tell you. Cause hey, what's up, guys? Just taking a quick moment to talk about one of our sponsors. This is FanDuel. I'll get right into it. Any new customer that downloads the FanDuel Sportsbook app and uses our code dope as usual will be eligible for this deal. And that deal is bet $5 when 280. Yes, you heard me right. $5 can win you 280. All you have to do is download the app, use our code dope as usual, and you're eligible. And yes, for everyone out there wondering, yeah, Marty and I are not happy. Both our teams lost in the most devastating way. I know the Rams are a better team, but I'm going to put my money. I mean, it's $5 to win 280. I'm going to put my money on the Niners. And don't forget, use our code dope as usual when you download the app. $5 can win you 280 any team. And again, guys, I'm not going to say everything, but on the screen right here, this is all the rules. You know you cannot bet unless you're 21. You're, make sure your state allows betting. So for Super Bowl 56, there's no better place to be betting than FanDuel Sportsbook. Prop bets, parlays, $5 can win you 280 any team. They're always doing something awesome here on FanDuel for new customers or existing. I'll say it again. Download the app. Use our code dope as usual. $5 can win you 280. It's a no-brainer. What's up, guys? Taking a quick moment to talk about one of our longtime sponsors. This is BetterHelp. Let's just be honest, guys. A lot of us have problems that we don't talk about. A lot of us have problems that our parents, our best friends, our husbands or wives don't know about. And it should not be that way. It's almost taboo for, especially for men, to talk about their feelings openly. So sometimes you just need someone to talk to, talk it out. When you can hear yourself talk about your problems, it's a lot less stressful when you hear the situation. Because a lot of us just think it in our heads and overthink, I'm guilty of it. So if you're out there and you need help and you don't want to go to a therapist and sit in the waiting room and maybe see somebody from town. Now they think that you have something wrong with you. Even though something's not wrong with you, you just... Might need to get it off your chest. If this sounds like you, do me a favor. Go to www.betterhelp.com forward slash dope. And that's 10% off your first month with a certified therapist. This is completely discreet. You can be in your own home, in your own bed, talking to somebody that can help you. So guys, this is not a crisis hotline. This is a long-term therapy session. So once again, go to www.betterhelp.com forward slash dope. And that's 10% off your first month of treatment. You could do this from your own home. It's convenient. It's affordable. And it's 100% confidential. Because Dennis Rodman's name is Dennis Rodman, and I had the, I had the greatest interaction. And Dennis and I are, are really good friends now. And I and he promised we would be. And he was a, Dennis is an incredible person. And uh, our first interaction it was so fantastic. He was in a group. We had a group with a really intense group with lots of people having emotions and stuff. And he, the whole group, held a book up to his face and was like reading, like moving his lips, reading for two a two hour group. And he was right to my right. 
And uh, at the end of the group, I was like, Dennis, come on, man. I mean, you see, you see what's going on here. These people are having it. They're putting themselves out. They want you to be a part of it. Come on in with us. He goes, hey. He goes, I'll tell you something. I was like, Dennis, not a small man. <laughs> when yeah. Dennis raises his voice, you, you notice. And he goes, uh, you and I are going to have a relationship. We'll do that. But if we're going to do it, you got to understand one thing. He, he held his giant arm up like this. I'm, I'm making a ledge way above his head. And he goes, he goes, here is God. And then he moved his hand down about an inch and he goes, and here's professional athletes. And you got to understand that. If you understand oh, that, wow. you and I are going to be fine. And I literally, I laughed out loud. I, I did nobody to defend him. I'm like, all right, Dennis, I get it. I got it. All right. All right. That's how you, uh, fine. Okay. What a statement. And, and, yeah. and uh, to a and, doctor. And what's weird is that's really not how he is, uh -huh. which is so funny to me in retrospect. Now that I know him, he's actually, he's not like that at was all. Is he preparing you for his ego? Is that what he's saying? I don't know what really that was. I, someday I'll ask him what that was all about. Cause he's actually kind of a humble guy in his own little way. And uh, and his daughter now is a famous soccer player. And oh, I didn't know. Oh, that. yeah, she's awesome. She's amazing. And uh, were and you he, baffled he, when the whole North Korea thing happened with him? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> Not only did I love it, I called him. I called him. I said, Dennis, did you ever imagine Dennis Rodman and Nobel Peace Pies would come out of somebody's mouth in the same <laughs> sentence ever? And he, we had a good laugh about it. Uh -huh. He um, he his brain doesn't work the way our brains do. In both for better and for worse. And so he sees stuff that we don't all see necessarily. And that was quite a move on his yeah. part. It's, it, was, it was like a movie scene, parody, going, that was a great scene. <laughs> Dennis Rodman is the... I love Dennis. No I, I really have deep, deep affection for him. And he's... A, he's, he's I wish he'd, his alcoholism is still kind of an issue and stuff. <laughs> Just for him. He doesn't... No one else hurts except him. But I wish he'd really... He gets it under control for periods of time and then not. And I worry about him, that's all. Well, so back to what you were saying Sorry. earlier. No, no, what you were saying earlier. It's it's they're oh, it's they're this. making it's water? up for something else. Yeah, I'll do that. Good idea. I've got water. They're making up for something else. You're saying he keeps going back to alcohol spurts and this. He loves it. That's why when you say you love the cocaine, I, I worry about it. When you love something, it's not. So it's hard to get not to go back. Well, I just I know it's bad for me, so I'll never touch it again in my life. But you love it. Oh yeah. Well, we can yeah. be friends at a distance forever. <laughs> I just, I will if you could do that, you're that. not a drug addict. So. I'm not. Yeah. I, I think so. I'm not. Yeah. But I do love drugs. But they're bad for you. I He's love the my biggest life weed more. influencer online, just so you know. Oh, that yeah. The you got to be careful, That's man. Do. You got to be careful. My my daughter had horrible consequences from which she's now in recovery. It's it's not for everybody. Is the point? It, oh some yeah. Some people it really. Me and we were made together. Yeah. Like, some people it really takes them down, and other people they can go forever with it. It's, oh yeah. You know, we mean well, we like Marty too. Marty's a workaholic, just like I am. We're nonstop until midnight, and um, I mean I'll smoke weed all day just because it's like you know what? Yes, I will smoke a bowl. Cool, and I'm gonna go do all my rest of my yeah. Edits. It, it's. There's something about the biological relationship with it. I mean, for some people, it's a nothing. It's no big deal. For other people, it has progression and they can't stop and they're using it inappropriately and affects their everything, affects their moods and all kinds of stuff. I've seen uh, I've seen that definitely yeah. when it comes to concentrates because it's so strong and some yes, people don't you're right. realize that. I think, that's, I think that's exactly right. I mean, if you're doing dabs, it's like, mm, I'd look into this. Well, I, mean, I do dab a lot. Yeah. But for me, my thing, it's, it's my profession. This is what I do. I do reviews. I do this. I've been doing it for yeah. 10 years. I, I'm not telling you you should. Oh, no, I, I'm just I, trying I, to say. Because you seem fine to me. It, it, just, yeah. it just worries me for from the progression standpoint that it could lead to something else. Not that it's going to. No, I see what you're saying. That it could. That's but there'll be some days where I'm like, did I even smoke weed? Yeah, tonight? from the outside looking in, he actually, you're smoking way less weed than and I like used to. used to, for sure. I used to smoke at least a couple yeah, ounces Yeah, see, that's a your, you're yeah. a kind of unique biology, 
right? This whole of this kind of I'll take it or leave it kind of thing. That's, yeah, that's not drug addicts. Like, I'd, I'd rather uh, go work and get things done. Like, I think that's your Jewish grandmother's smoke. influence, both <laughs> genetically, not viola- not socially, genetically. It's something so, because I have a lot of drug addicts in my family. A yeah. lot, both parents. Yeah. So um, and your sister. My sister, no, she just smokes and she is the hardest working person ever. Oh, I thought she had it. She went. Oh, no, my sister is awesome. Oh, so she's good now. Okay. Oh, yeah, she has a good job. She just smokes Oh, good for her. Oh, okay, great. Oh, my great. sister's great, but as a kid, it was just uh, me and her, because uh-huh. it was just me and her, and then my mom had a kid when I was 15, mm. and then my dad had three kids right after that, because mm. they're different, different. So it was just me and her until I was 16, and then my dad, Brady Bunch, he married someone with four kids, and then had four kids. <laughs> So I have little brothers, eight. How was that living in a household like that? I was out. I, I left at, out. at 18. Yeah. I was Good. doing my own yeah. thing forever since mm-hmm. now. Um, but I had a question real quick. Something yeah. I, I asked Marty about in the, in social media, I get it's, it's different. Like you saying, you start off radio. There was no information. Uh, Google wasn't there. Yeah. Social media is super beneficial and uh, it also has its super downfalls. Correct. Cons, especially I see it with kids. Cause I have little brothers, little sisters, my question is, do you think there should be an age limit for kids to be able to get social media? I, I don't know how we do all that, but I do believe that one day soon we will look upon this the way we look upon tobacco. Mm. It's I think just it's going to be very similar in terms of how we will think about it. Lives get and, ruined from that. And, and, well, right now, the big thing we're seeing is all the kids that were given screens for school drop the age of porn exposure down to like eight. And, and yeah, Whoa. and it was bad. And less, the sexting and the pornography and all that, that was those screens were used for, ridiculous. And they've got data on this, and it's just sh- startling. I, mean, I see can the only data. imagine being able to be in teenager right now in my head going, oh, I'll talk to 10 people in one mm-hmm. minute. Yeah. Send the same yeah. message. And, well, if and was- while I'm watching, who knows what. And, what <sighs> and by the way, it rains down on them. I have a I have a patient as a teacher in my office last week, and she goes, "I can't tell you how often on one of these kids' screens a Pornhub comes up." You know, Whoa. these are she's a seventh, sixth grade teacher. You know, mm-hmm. I was hoping to kind of get your advice on this because I have a thirteen year old daughter. Oof. We've been going through all this <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Go, go to I. There's a friend of mine who runs a website <laughs> called Digital Citizen Academy, dcakids.org, and uh, she only lets her kids on the screens an hour or two a day. And she's way into all of this. Her name is Lisa Stroman. You should have interviewed her. She should probably interview with What's her. What's her name? Lisa Stroman. Okay. But and even she's as an far as like, stuff. I've been running into like just, I know as, as my dad, it's my job to be that brick wall of the boundaries into like. It's really hard. It's But then you it can turn into long stretches of being that. And of you, being. Of being, of being like. The bad hey, guy. Yeah. I well. need this acceptable behavior. I need honesty. I need these basic things. And I find myself, I can't get like dealing with a 13 year old is just so different mm-hmm. than what I ever imagined in mm-hmm. terms of like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of really dealing with somebody that's completely different. And every, all the advice I get is like, it's just going to be like that until one day it'll circle back. And well, it'll be- uh, but <coughs> two things, you should, well, three things to keep in mind. One is you're an asshole. Uh-huh. Let's just yeah. accept that. I've, I've already turned. You're I an told asshole. That yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's been. Accept that. Yeah. Uh, number two, her frontal lobes are not working. And uh, thank God it's not a male because they really don't work when it's a male. They, she's relying on your functioning frontal lobes to be superimposed on her non-functioning. When you say frontal lobe. Executive function, judgment, mm. thinking, reasoning, the, the ability to 
choose good, you know, subdominant impulses when you really want to do something not so good. That's frontal lobe. Mm. Uh, That's the issue. And then, and then three, don't be afraid to get mental health services because mm-hmm. only so yeah. much of it is parenting, yeah. you know, and participate in that. Mm. Uh, I felt I felt like so much of it is, is just these. We've kids, been, like I've been saying. getting. I, we've been getting. Everyone in my family. I have triplets. Who are do you tw- really? Twenty nine years old now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And uh, all of us have had therapists at one time or another, mm-hmm. and the system is at therapy, and this and every time it pays big dividends. Mm-hmm. Every time. Yeah, we just started about a month ago, and already it just kind of is easier to communicate through a third party. And if even just taking that extra step to make that effort to do it, I found helped. It's, it's different. But it's like I find myself in a position where either I'm not going to be fully paying attention and up in the mix. Yeah. And, like, and is that what you have to do basically at some point? Like what? I'm not going to be – because it's like with a 13-year-old, if you dig and dig, you're going to find something that you don't like. Yeah. So at some point you have to be like, okay, I'm not going to dig, but well, I need to trust we- that you're going to do the right thing. Well, trust but verify. Yeah. Uh, trust but verify. Assume, assume, assume they're not going to yeah, do the right yeah. thing. Always assume they're not, but because uh, they're going to push boundaries, that's their job. I, I would, I would unload some of that onto the therapist. Mm-hmm. Like the therapist's job is to make sure nothing bad is going on, and to help and to advise you how to approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I make sure you're talking to the therapist. Yeah. They, they may or may not tell you everything. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. The important thing is just what do you what What's my role here? What yeah. exactly should I be doing? Give me some guidelines, and I will do it. Because it becomes a full time job micromanaging. All these things that, you know, like we were talking about earlier. Kids don't want to use VPNs and get around your tech. Oh, they're, they're geniuses. <laughs> yes. they're, they're, they're just evil scientists when it comes to this They'll stuff. They'll be doing chats in a yeah. Google Doc. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a, they're amazing. A little brother does code. Yeah. So, oh, boy. Watch I'm out. Uh, I'm already done. As the parent, you're like, okay, I need to monitor what you're doing, make sure everything's appropriate here. But it really. Bring Lisa Stroman in here, or at least you zoom her in or something. You need her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Marty's going through it right she, now. She's an expert in all this stuff. And, uh, nice. Yeah. I looked yeah, her up. So. Because I know how to deal with boys growing up, because I was one. I don't know how to deal with girls. My sister is gay. She was a very tomboy and beat the shit out of me. <laughs> I didn't have a regular sister. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I don't even know how to deal so with So you're going to have all girls, don't worry. So <laughs> that's fine <laughs> with me. That's, that's fine with me. But um, yeah, it's, it's usually it's a tougher time for the mom for a 13 year old girl. Oh, it's been equally. She's even way more immersed in it than I am. Okay. I, so the mom's having a tougher time. Yeah. Okay. That's I never yeah. even asked. That's normal. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Totally. She's way in the mix. I know. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they get triggered by it. The women, they, they kind of mm-hmm. see it, know yeah, it. They've been there. Totally. And, and they get... And then she very, gets triggered by me getting all mad. <laughs> there were many times. Yeah. <laughs> many times during the teen years when I would look at my wife and daughter interacting, I just go, which, which one's the adult? I can't oh. tell anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh, what's man. going on here? <clears throat> yeah, when my sister was going through all that, my mom was going through it too. Mm-hmm. They were right there. It, it was a... It's a it gets better. It, it, yeah, it got better. It got better with time and just setting like i said setting boundaries when does that frontal lobe start kicking in for for females around 21 22 like really it's in in around that age for men it's like 27 28 yeah we're still screwballs well into our 20s oh yeah that's i can verify that i know a lot of people doing stupid shit in their 30s oh yeah you know well then drugs prevent some of that development so you have to be careful too that's another thing like i said a lot of my best well most of my best friends live outside they're just strung out gone i tried for years homeless outside yeah outside drug addicts that's meth. Well, it's meth, and now it's getting to heroin and fentanyl. Frank. Fentanyl. 
Yeah, alcohol, meth, fentanyl. That's the that's the mix on the streets. Yeah, and people go, oh, just give them a house, just give your friends a home. That's all. That's no, all they, they do need. drugs in there and burn of it down and die. Of course they will. Of course they will. I tried or to they're help overdose my friends in too there. many times. It, it, it makes me furious when they just like, oh, just get, they need a house, just get them a home. Just hiding you, it. When you go out on the street right now, it's all drug addiction. Oh, I people mean, are it, smoking crack and maybe five percent right mental health stuff. But yeah, wow, the the, that's the a, meth is just out of control. So that P two P stuff, forget P2P? it. What is that? The stuff there? There's a book called The Least of Us by Sam Quinonez about the kind of meth that's coming up now from Mexico. Like oh, from Mexico, it's bad. It's very, really, because I know Bison has like crank, and that makes people unbelievable scratch their skin off. Yeah, this is the it. same stuff. It makes them psychotic so fast. Yeah, insane, so like bath salt reactions, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, it's yeah. the same. same yeah. There's thing. a house, though. But come on, man. Come yeah, on. They just beat somebody up in there. No, I don't so, trust any of that. Even the so tents terrible. is, I mean, people need to live, but there's drugs They going need on to go everywhere. into treatment. They need to put them in residential facilities, large facilities that would look like that. Look at that building over there. <laughs> that one of the residential facility looks uh-huh. like that. Let's help these people for God's sakes. Yeah. Because yeah. there's, there's still potential for all these people. I know people that used to be on drugs. I'm dad. telling you, I'm that's I all the time. I have yeah. dear friends that were on the streets. It, yeah. And they're all drug addicts and they all are recovering now and they're doing great. It's amazing. To hear. In your always, experience, like of the, all the people you've treated, is it a very small percentage of people that really bounce back, or no, is it more than you think? Way more than you think. Really, I, I was seeing. Some, I want to say this loud and clear. I saw something online that they were like, "Oh, you know, drug treatment should be eliminated because any treatment that has only a ten percent or twenty percent success rate is is not." And I'm like, "Whoa, that is not how it works." It takes, on average, five years and four treatments, or is it four treatments in five years? I think it's four treatments in five years to get one year of sobriety. Not because oh, the wow. treatments are ineffective. It's because that's what it takes to get somebody into remission. You wouldn't say, you know, oh, three rounds of chemo got them to remission. Well, the first two were failures. It's like, no, no, this is, this is how we get them there. And more people get into full recovery than you imagine. Also, a lot of people die. A lot. And I think people are finally getting that. It's a fatal illness. And if you don't get to the sobriety, you go to the, you go to the, the ground. Yeah, I'm waiting for the goes. calls. I, I'm just yeah. dreaded. Yeah. I know it's going to Takes go. a while. Takes yeah. a while, but it goes there. Jail, which no one's going to anymore. Institutions, which you're not allowed to put people in. Or death. So death is where they're going. It's sad. It's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, where, like I said, where I'm from, Merced, is... If if you're outside, you're probably homeless. There's nobody walking. There's no joggers. There's no bikers. If you're mm-hmm. on a bike, you stole it. You made it. That's Merced. It's 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 a sad. I'm sure, place. the mayor's happy with this uh, public service announcement. I think our mayor's like 31 years old. <laughs> yeah, I think he's like 31 years old. But I said it before when I was 16. I'm going to be the mayor of Merced one day. Uh, go I've, do I've, it. I've you said get, it. You've got the goods. I'm going to do it. Please one day do I'm going to win. Like how how different has LA been since growing up though? Just like it must oh, look terrible. like a, like it's I can't awful. imagine. Pasadena's me. nice though. Pasadena is okay. It still has its own problems, but but LA is really it, and look. I'm like a surgeon that's seeing cases all under his feet, oh, and knows God. that he can fix them, but no one lets him. I know how to help these people. It's killing me. Five are dying on the streets every day in Los Angeles. That's wow. insane. That's insane. I think that sounds like fifteen hundred people this. a year. Disgusting. disgusting. Yes, it's disgusting. They should not. The, the people that allow that. That's criminal. Yeah, it's, it's like awful. Corolla. I grew up listening to you and Adam, and he always bitches about like, I'm going to get a ticket if I park by the red, but oh, I yeah. could set up a tent and live on the same yeah. sidewalk. Right. Like, it's, it's insane. I'm, I'm from the East Coast, and that's one of the main things you notice when you come out here is like, how do American cities have this? There's a like gr- this? Well, there's a great book called San Francisco by a guy named Michael Schellenberger that he. Michael Schellenberger? Yeah. He's, every single 
policy that's led to all this. He mm. puts the whole thing out there, and it's very well done. He's a brilliant guy. Yeah, we had a Rick, Rick Ross, uh, well, Freeway Rick Ross, the crack dealer, the cocaine dealer, on the show, and he was telling us about <laughs> the 80s and 90s when the crack era just started. He's like, it just takes lives, takes over complete lives. And I, I mean, I've watched it. And the fact that my profession treated that as a criminal issue really a shame makes me shamed. Mm. It was a medical problem. And magically, when the opiate thing hit, you know, white middle America, oh, now it's a medical problem. Unconscionable. I, I was treating crack addicts back in those days. Really? We did pretty good with them. Yeah. I, I didn't see it as a criminal problem. It's not a drug addiction. This is yeah, they're flat sick. Up. They are sick. They, their they brain is taken over, over by the brain is taken over by these things. It would, it would, how come people can't understand that? Yeah, because I've, I've had friends and I've seen six months later. And I go, well, that is not the same person. Yeah, he's gone. His yeah. brain's gone. That's right. Yeah, it's and it's, they can be brought back to a point. This is a crazy thing to me about all this. If there's a dementia patient running around in the freeway and I don't help that person. I am ethically on the line. I'm, I've I've hurt somebody. I, but if this, it, but if it's a meth addict out on the street wow. or, or a schizophrenic, I'm not allowed to get near them. I'm not allowed even to offer them services. There's no chance. And the meth addict and the schizophrenic, if you intervene early, they can be restored to normal or to, mm-hmm. or to at least a productive life. The dementia patient, there's nothing I can do. That's only going to get worse. <laughs> but the ones I can actually treat yeah. and make better, no, sorry. They're living their best life. You're not allowed to get near them. Hey, who are you to say, man? That schizophrenic wants to live on the street. You're you're being ableist. Get, get out of here. That's what people say. Yes. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. And the longer you stay psychotic and schizophrenia, the less we can bring you back. The longer you're exposed to meth, the less we can bring you back. And so mm-hmm. good job, everybody. So drug laws are corrupt. Oh, my God. I wouldn't use words like corrupt. They're well-meaning and they are killing people. Ineffective and awful, awful. So no drug addict should be in jail. They should be in no. They center. should be in treatment, of course. Yeah. In jail, it's ridiculous. Like what a difference it would make on our overall society just in that one change. Yes, if you could take somebody whose brain isn't working right, like we do with dementia patients, and go, come with me. I'm going to help you. Let's just go. Take them by the hand and take them and go. I got a bed for you here. I got nurses. I got. You're going to like it. I promise. It's going to be nice. Come on. How do we change this? How, what, what, what do you have to do to make this? Mayor of Merced. I'm pointing at you. <laughs> so, right. I mean, maybe maybe one town at a time like that. I mean, the mayor of San Diego started doing some of that. Falconer, is that his name? And uh, and there's slow progress here. But And, and the Villanueva seems to understand that this could be done. I don't know. I, I give up. I gave up. I was going to, I volunteered oh. to be on a committee. They vilified me for being wanting to be on that committee. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, you don't know that story? No. That's oh, you'll, you'll find it online. That's insane. So because you want to you want to imprison drug you want to imprison people. You're a trumper. It's like, what oh, are you God. talking about? What are you? How disgusting you are! And then then they called me anti-immigrant in the L.A. Times. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm a, it's like I'm an immigrant. I'm a second. I, my my family escaped the Ukrainian genocide. What the fuck are you? And we all squared square. Of course. What the fuck are you talking about? You're disgusting. That's the press, man. Mm-hmm. That's the press today. That's why you say stay purple, like you said. Just don't I'm read just the press. Here. Don't read anything. Just know everything is fake news. Everything on all sides. Just read it with a half an eye, and then yeah. try to figure out what's it's really going on. It's gonna be extra on. frustrating when you're really trying to help people. Oh my god, it's unbelievable. And they're it's like, twist. It's I can all, feel the frustration. I, ideology, I'd be pissed. Ideology destroys human beings, mm. and these people are all ideologues. They what do they know about treating yeah. working in a psychiatric hospital? 
You ever worked in a psychiatric hospital? Mm-hmm. You ever treated a patient with any of these conditions? Oh, never? Oh, and there's not one doctor on these committees? Not one? Oh, shit. <laughs> That's Supervising these sick people? Holy, whoa. Woo. Yeah, I, I want to hear. Where can we find your podcast? I know you have a podcast on your mom's house now. So I have a bunch of stuff. So <laughs> I, I want to hear more about this. I stay away from it for the most part because oh, I get too frustrated. But but I do I do a podcast on with on Corolla's platform. It's just called the Doctor Drew Podcast. You can get you can get everything at drdrew.com and drdrew.tv. And drdrew.com, I've got me and Adam. We do three days a week. Oh wow! So we still mm-hmm. do a regular thing, me and Adam, for years. Yep. Uh, the Doctor Drew Podcast, which is sort of me interviewing experts. That's more of that. Uh, I have at your mom's house, which is Tom Segura and Christina P's thing. Uh, I have the thing called Dr. Drew After Dark, which is technically comedy. I mean, it's it's kind of a new incarnation of Loveline where I'm answering those kinds of questions, but it's in a comedic environment. It, it pushes the envelope, much like Loveline did. So that's why I'm willing to do it. Uh, then I have a, a show called Ask Dr. Drew, which is a streaming show mo- at least three or four days a week at 3 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Dr.TV. Yeah, four shows. Yeah, you're busy. You're busy. Do I, have, I think there's more. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> and you still um, are. Do you go into. I do outpatient medicine. I'm doing a lot less than I used to. Oh my God, so much less. I mean, I used to get up at 5 30 in the morning mm-hmm. and struggle to get home by 10 at night. Mm-hmm. Struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, and half my day in the hospital or at outpatient practice and the other half day at the psych hospital. Do a lot of other doctors talk shit because you're like the famous doctor and they look. They used to. Um, they sort of tolerate me now. Uh, they, they, you know, they. The COVID thing was such an extraordinary experience that I think the hospital administration where I worked, one of the things that that really was disgusting with COVID is doctors stopped treating patients because they just they were saying, hey, just go home and come back when you're sick. Come back when your O2 saturation is 88. They stopped doing everything because they were afraid that their hospital administration was going to judge them or their peers were going to judge them or social media was going to attack them. You know, God forbid they use something like hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. You know, they, oh. I, they look, you could, they, so they stopped trying anything. And they just said, go, go home, come back when you're really sick, which is, I've it's never, <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah. Um, and so it was horrible, horrible. That's what they kept doing to my mom. And that, yeah. And, and I, it's horrible. Uh, I, uh, that's, this is what has happened to medicine. What she should have is a doctor who's like calling her twice a day and looking after her and thinking about her and moving this thing forward. You don't have to do something, but you have to monitor your patients. I don't know. I, I'm old timer, I guess. But in any event, I started complaining about this. I had a nightly show here on local news, uh, which was sort of keeping up on, you know, what was going on with COVID during the first year of COVID. And, uh, and I went to get the vaccine like right away. I'm like, ah, I get this vaccine. It's perfect. My hospital wouldn't give it to me Why? because even though I was treating COVID patients and I was volunteer and I wanted to work in the ER and I volunteered, no, you're not from a risk neighborhood and you're not one of the hospital employees and we got to give it to this first. Much with the same thing they're doing with Paxlovid and monoclonal antibodies right now. Same exact philosophy. And so running around the hospital trying to get the vaccine, I got COVID. That's how I got COVID first time. And uh, and how backward was that? Well, I, whatever. Uh, it was their way of doing it. But I started complaining about it on TV. And I think they didn't that'll like do that. It. I don't think they liked that. Yep, that'll do it. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah calling yeah. them out for their And by the doings. way, the same people now are like, why aren't you getting your vaccine? It's screaming about people getting their vaccine. We're originally restricting people from yeah. getting it who want it. It was very, uh, this has been such again. a horrible experience, this COVID thing. It's from the first time in history. Mm. 
that the whole world's dealing with this. Like I this. can't. That's what I can't believe is that the whole world has gone as nutty as the United States went. I get we're nuts. I get it. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. I understand like this country. I understand this country, but the whole world just did no, what like, we did. That's that's damn. the weird part. Nobody Australia did it worse. Plan? Like all the good cousins that came for Christmas <laughs> are fucking up too. That's how I feel. Like damn, they're fucking up. <laughs> oh shit, this is. It doomed. just made me feel like oh, there is no like real adults out there that have. Like, good for you. I think that's a. I think that's a nice take on all this. Yeah. It's like what was this? What happened here? It shows the unorganization of earth <laughs> well I it, doesn't, we it, doesn't, okay. it doesn't have to be like this i I, th- I don't know what caused everyone to go so wacko but Just they're, they're still kind of in it i know they're still sort of in it like if you're all this way or you're all that way or if you're not like i said if i if i want to help homeless people i'm a trumper what if i want to help homeless if i want to treat that's drug- a new kind of like never heard that. slow way of thinking i feel like though it's that's- it's it's histrionic it's that what Dr. Malone on Rogan called uh, mass delusional psychosis. That we're mm. talking about the same thing in diff- with different words. I, I was started talking about a year ago. I said, "What?" I, I saw the narcissistic turn in this country. I saw yeah. that we all became narcissists. I get. It. I wrote a book about it. But we've now become histrionic, which I never expected, and that's weird. And I kind of feel like it's a situational thing. What does that mean? It's Trump and fear and COVID caused us. Histrionic is a certain personality style of being sort of excessively emotional and flamboyant 100% and swayed right. into trends and yeah. you know excessive yeah. emotionality and delusional. Mm-hmm. And I started of see people becoming delusional in their thinking, so rigid and unable yeah. to change. That's delusionality. Yeah. I, and literally, some of the things I saw people saying publicly, I'm like, "Hey, you, two years ago, I would have put you in the hospital with those thoughts. <laughs> yes. I would have, I would have. You know, your your meth buddies, <laughs> they're there yeah. with those thoughts. And uh, it, now it's commonplace. So I think that's going to settle down. I think we're, I think so too. Yeah, I think we're we're sort of settling. Although today, interestingly, I've I've seen it flaring a little bit. I don't know why. Really, I don't know why. It's weird. I just saw it kind of coming up again. I'm like, oh no, come on. Attacking when they start attacking sensible people, that's when I know there's like What's something's going wrong. on. Yeah. yeah, when people are logical, like I agree. Like, there, don't if you, you want, if you want to follow good, sensible physicians on on social media, Twitter, Vinay Prasad, excellent oncologist. I was a fan of his way before COVID. He's just very penetrative ability to read medical literature and think. He's a smart dude. Uh, Monica Gandhi, G-A-N-D-H-I, a infectious disease specialist up in San Francisco, UC San Francisco. Excellent thinking, very reasonable. And today they were getting attacked, so it upset me. I was like, why would you attack these two? Oh my God, they're so well, sensible people trying. That's uh, probably why. I'm so now. Now I'm exhausted, guys. You've exhausted. Mm-hmm. Me. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm sorry. tired. <laughs> yeah, guys, I need a nap. Yeah. Let's smoke a bowl. Yeah. So, <laughs> you don't smoke weed, right? I don't. Well, I have. I have no objection to it. And I and I and I. And I, I'm I not gonna do it. Yeah, I'm I not gonna do it midday. I smoke. But <laughs> yeah. but but I I um I told Rogan I I would do it on his show if it would help you took heal a lot of our relationship. For saying that, well, that was like some controversy back well, in no, the day. No, he right? he you thought I was relationship. He thought I was soup because I treat people who for whom it gets out of control and they can't stop and have consequences. Yeah. I treat people who can't stop doing things. That's where I come in. And cannabis for some people, that's a that's it. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. He took great offense to that. I think I don't and, even take offense. To and that and that. he's and we've healed that since. And I said, mm-hmm. "Well, I'm fine. You're sure I don't give a shit or whatever." Yeah. But. No invitation yet, so we'll see. Oh, but, that would be but, amazing. But but I, I worry about doing that, frankly, because I, I don't want to. I don't know. It's such a political thing. We'd now have to. We'd have to different. do it very carefully, and yeah. think, I have to have an opportunity to really explain what I was sure. doing. But uh, what was I saying about all this? Um, oh, 
I don't think I, I think I'm sort of resistant to cannabis. I, the only thing when I was in college, I smoked many, several times. I got panic attacks. Oh yeah. That's, okay. That's a common thing. Uh, and, and by the way, I see hyperemesis now all the time. People that vomit from it. Hyperemesis, cannabis hyperemesis syndrome. If you're vomiting during pot, pay attention. It's a really serious syndrome. Um, and now when I've used in the present day, I don't, I don't really feel much of anything. Really? It doesn't really do much for me. I, I think I'm sort of genetically whatever. just doesn't. I know that's shocking if you love it. No, no. I, no, <laughs> so, I, I get it because I, I could smoke. An, I mean, we done. We smoke a pound joint. And I'm like, I'm not that high <laughs> at the end. It's yeah, just, I, I just, just feel tired. Plateau. I just feel tired. Same I'm, yeah. I'm ready to just lay yeah. down. Have, have you found kids aren't like smoking though anymore, right? That's a nice big I don't see a lot of cigarette smokers like, anymore. Cigarettes are better, vapes, yeah. though. It's Almost eradicated. No, I, I don't think, see kids I smoking think, ever. I think I there don't was anybody smoke cigarettes almost. I, and and I'm not really worried about tobacco. I mean, not tobacco. Nicotine vaping. I worry about tobacco. Tobacco is what hurts people. Nicotine mm. does not hurt people. But the theory is that nicotine vaping leads to cigarettes. If that's true, then I have a problem. So with nicotine it. vaping not as harmful as it's made out to be. It's not harmful. Mm. Tobacco horrible. But tobacco is the enemy, not nicotine. Wow, now, if you now if you get exposed to nicotine under the age of seventeen, it's very hard to stop. That's the problem with nicotine. Oh yeah, I smoke you're, two packs a day. You're going to be on the gum yeah. or something forever after that. But if you're 24 and you use nicotine vape to get off cigarettes, good by all means. It's it's one of the best ways to get off cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My so, mom, my aunts, everybody. That's how they start smoking. Yeah. But all the kids are vaping the the not the, the weed oral vapes, fixation, like, man. I think. Yeah. What are they vaping? Just flavored stuff or whatever. Yeah, yep. whatever. I mean, we were smoking. I mean, it's not good for kids. you. It's not, not, yeah. not what I call good for your lungs. Uh-huh. I'm not. I'm not advocating by any stretch. I'm just saying, let's be reasonable about this too. That uh, it's you know, it may hurt their lungs. You know, it's not good for you growing up. Please stop. But the the more you go into panic zone about it, that's again not how you change health behavior. You're gonna have to show some kids that have some bad outcomes from it. That then they'll change. I stopped smoking. My grandpa got emphysema and died. I went. I'm fucking done smoking cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. That's how. That's when I just stopped. Well, you, yeah. you, I told you the story. Yeah. But um, yeah. No, I just wanted to ask the questions about the podcast because I know there's a lot of people right now going. I need to hear more about this. Well, yeah. I and if you want, if you if you what I do on my streaming shows, which are live. Uh, I take calls from Clubhouse, and we also read emails and stuff. Actually, the emails you can send into uh, Doctor Drew After Dark, which is the Mom House thing. I answer lots of questions there. That's uh, Doctor Drew After Dark, Dr Drew After Dark at Gmail dot com. Just send your questions there; we'll get to them. It's so cool that you do that. Uh, right? Try to, and uh, and then on the streaming show, we I sign into Clubhouse and I take phone calls off Clubhouse. Wow, how many times a week do you do the streaming? At least three or four times a week. Yeah. You are busy. So we'll do one at three wow. o'clock today. You know. Oh, right after this, you're gonna go do one. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, I need to. I need to get my uh, schedule down. Mm-hmm. That, what time yeah, do you wake up? Let me ask. Now, listen, I told you I used to go to bed at, at midnight <laughs> yeah. at twelve thirty. I get up at six thirty. Now I go to bed at ten and get up at seven. So oh, it's, seven yeah. is still reasonable. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm reasonable. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm okay. sleeping plenty now. I've, I believe in sleeping when you're older. I. I'll tell you, sir, when, when I was, one of the many million jobs I had was working in an Alzheimer's hospital. 
And uh, when I first got in there and I was trying to kind of get to know the patients and I was thinking, you know, what, why are these guys, what, what is something that predisposes to this? And I was noticing in all the men's room, the, the, I mean the men's bedrooms, they had a picture of themselves by the bedside. They were like admirals or they owned car dealership. They were like these extremely accomplished people. And I thought, oh, it must be stress, right? It must be stress that's causing that, maybe risking the Alzheimer's. And I talked to the family members, and they, I'd go, is it, is it, they clearly was an admiral. You know, he owned a series of car dealerships. Was that stressful for him? They would all say the same thing. They'd go, oh, no, he loved it. He loved it. And then I'd say, did he sleep? No, never slept. Mm, really? So I thought, oh, I'm going to sleep when I'm older. Some, I'm getting uh, sleep. Uh, Get some sleep when you're older. Be sure I you sleep. I barely sleep now well, my whole life. That's the scary shit out of me. We'll get yeah. some... Uh, I try. What's the stuff? Indica. Melatonin. What's the stuff later? I smoke OG every day, all day. It, that's why I started smoking. <laughs> like, melatonin. melatonin. Try melatonin. I tried like hundreds. Getting of on a sleep schedule is the best thing I've ever He's done well, in my life. A master of it. I, yeah, I'm so like that. So you can't do it when you're on drugs. You can't really do it when you're on drugs. But you, the the most sleep recommendations are these days: get off everything mm-hmm. and just wait till sleep happens. Like oh, don't man. sleep, don't sleep, build up what's called sleep pressure or sleep inertia, and eventually you will sleep. Mm. And you'll oh, be miserable in the I meantime. You'll be terrible. You'll have a bad week, oh, but uh, eventually you will sleep. Yeah, mm. even as that's a kid, sort of the sleep have, specialist. There's no way to fall asleep for me. I used well, to. are you are you like a three four hour night guy? Just that's just you. Sometimes I'll be sleeping. F- no, no, because some people are just three four hour night sleepers. And that's when I it. sleep three or four hours, I wake up like. Let's go do something. But when I sleep six or seven, I'm just wake up kind of. Well, maybe all you need is four hours a night. There is those people. There are those people. And those people get a lot done. I've noticed that. Oh, I get a lot fucking yeah. surprised. Yeah. You, you may be one of those people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the dementia thing kind of scared me the whole time. Well, I, 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 you know, but, that, but I'm sure those were guys like me were, you know, choosing not to sleep. Like I was sleeping five, six hours a night. It was awful. <laughs> Did that for 20 years. Mm, so. Got you. Oh, got you. Okay. No. All right. So drdrew.com. Uh, is where we can really D- com for all the pods and .tv for the streaming shows. I think that's the best way to do it. And it's not the most intuitive website. You, 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 have, to, you have to scroll down on things and you'll, you'll fish around. You'll Our audience them. knows computers. They, yeah, they, so, but they I don't, it. I, it doesn't like jump out at you. You have to kind of look around. So, so please do. I'd love to have your audience around. No, I are, this is, and whatever I do for you guys, let me know. Maybe we should like have you as a streaming guest or something if you want to promote something yeah, or, let us know, know let us know yeah i just, I just like definitely. talking to people That's yeah my thing, absolutely you know? no you too yeah. i already know having listened to you for so long you knew this was gonna work so yes. no <laughs> there's a lot there no, he, super informative man he pairs I mean. up so nicely with like you know ryan sickler all the oh, big yeah. comedians well sickler was He's on your hilarious. mom's house too yep. right yeah, that was yeah, the show the, there. yeah. Yep, that was thomas's first ever podcast was yeah the first one i ever did was a year before we did this as a guest on his or guest yeah oh yeah ryan's the best He's hilarious, yeah, man. Yeah, he's and just a, a great guy. Yeah, on and off, he's just a funny dude, <laughs> nice guy. Yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, Marty, do you have anything else? I think this Thank was you, doctor. everything really I wanted to know. Yeah, of course, thank you for having me. I, I, I loved it. I hope sorry, I had to. It. Now I'm real guilty for having to reschedule, but I had to reschedule. Sorry about that. But oh no, you're fine. We so just we'll do, let's to, do some more stuff down the road. We'll do other things. Let's see what. Just see how your audience takes on this. And what Our they, audience what, is young and you drop so much info. We'll see what them. they, what they want to know about yeah. it, what they're interested in. And you know, maybe if you have a whole series of like questions or things like that, and oh, come back and that's what's going to come of this. I yeah. Let's we'll, we'll come back and answer a bunch of yeah, them. We have a very active audience, thousands of comments per episode. So I already yeah. know they're like next time ask this. Can you please ask? Okay. This well let's, totally. let's do that. I love that. Okay. Well, thank 100%. you so much. Thanks for coming on the show. Of course. This is a, good to see you guys. It was great. Well guys, um, thank you, sir. this has been the Dr. Drew episode. <laughs> Marty O'Neill and me. Thank you so much for being Pleasure. here. Pleasure. Hopefully we'll be back soon. You guys, until next time, thank you so much for watching. This has been the Dope as Usual podcast. Have a dope ass day. Yeah. All right. <laughs>